So last few weeks, we have been in a conversation talking about us being a people who are committed to transformation and what that commitment looks like and some of the things that our official documents, our constitution says that, that we're going to commit to if we decide this is going to be my journey of, this is going to be my people of faith. This is going to be who I'm going to walk with, who I'm going to journey with. And, um, whether, you know, in, in the constitution, that term is a member term. Uh, sometimes we may struggle around that term, but ultimately it's these commitments that we're asking us to come together and join in. So we've been talking through some of them and all around it has been this idea of Radical transformation. That there should be something unbelievable and noticeable and radical and overwhelming that is taking place in our lives if we have truly submitted and surrendered our lives to Jesus. If the Holy Spirit is at work in us, it should be noticeable to others because we're being changed into what the scriptures call a new creation. So today we're going to be there one more time, and then the next two weeks we're actually going to continue in the same space but in a different kind of way in that I've asked Jeff and Aaron to come at the end of this, and each of them will come and they'll each do a week, uh, and they'll kind of bring some some responses and some personal reflections back on some specific areas of what we've talked about. So talking about their own faith journey and how Valley is a piece of that with them as they're continuing to live into to God's calling for their life and to what that means for them to journey with the family of faith with our family of faith uh, and how these commitments and how Valley is helping them get that done. Uh, it's going to be really fun to have them uh, come and do that. And in this conversation, as we've been talking about it, as we've been talking about transformation and what that looks like, we've mentioned several times, and I want to make sure that this does not get missed. The Holy Spirit does the work of transformation. The Holy Spirit transforms people. The Holy Spirit transforms communities. The Holy Spirit transforms churches. The Holy Spirit transforms all of creation. As a church, the reason that we're committed to this idea of transformation is because we have been invited to join God in the work that God is doing. We aren't doing the work. We're not ultimately responsible for this. And yet our role is vital in this process of transformation taking place. Not vital because for some reason God needed us in order to accomplish it. But vital because God decided that after Jesus, the, the primary way that he would continue to move forward the work that was happening was through the work of the local church. So our work is vital because God chose the church to continue this work. To continue to move forward what was happening. So, so as Valley... We want to make sure that as a people, as a church, as an organization, that we are instigating radical transformation in, in the life of every person in the Towson area. That's our goal. That's our calling. That we are a part of making sure that that's happening with every person that we come in contact with. That we are instigating that work because that work is taking place in us. So over the last few weeks, we've been talking through... Sort of a progression, and I haven't necessarily defined it that way until today, but we have been talking through a progression that kind of builds one thing on another and continues to push itself forward. We started with week one, and we just talked about radical transformation in general. So in this idea of being committed to transformation, what does it look like for us to experience this idea of radical transformation? 
And then the second week, we pushed into the conversation about personal transformation. So what does it look like in my life? What does it look like in your life? The Holy Spirit wants to do the work of transformation, wants to bring new life in me. And the Holy Spirit wants to do the same for you. So we look to Paul's words that he wrote in this letter to the church in Philippi. And we focused, as we were looking at one section of it, we focused on three words that we believed were important in this idea of personal transformation. We looked at the words love, presence, and surrender. With the idea that these were postures or, or, or motivations that we take on, that we live underneath in order to prepare the soil of our soul for the Holy Spirit to do the work the Holy Spirit longs to do. And then last week, we moved forward. So from radical transformation to personal transformation into family transformation. We pushed deeper into Paul's words, and we looked at this idea of family transformation. And I made a claim last week that was hard for some of us to to sit with. I know that some kind of pushed back on that afterwards, and even in some conversation this week. This idea that God cares more deeply for the church than he does necessarily any one individual. See, again, already somebody going, wait a minute, hold on. I absolutely believe that it's true. Now, that isn't denying or discouraging or discounting the idea of God's deep love for any individual. But the scriptures show us over and over again that God's, God's heart, God's deep heart is for the body of Christ, not just specific individuals. Now, in this, in this highly individualized version of Christianity that we as Western evangelicals talk about a whole lot, that's really, really hard for us to grasp. And the downfall of this highly individualized method, method that we talk about means that we often miss God's deep heart for the church, what God desires to see happen in the gathering of Christ followers. But as we talk about family transformation, we talk about three hopes, three hopes that God has for the family, for the body of Christ at work. Unity, love for one another, and a shared focus on Jesus and the works of Jesus. These are the distinguishing characteristics of this idea of a new family of Jesus. These are some of the distinctives that we see in a church that has been and is being radically transformed. These are the kind of people that we want to be together, right? And this progression, this move forward is huge because if we miss it and we get stuck in any one area then we have a tendency to become something less than what God dreamed. It can become really, really dangerous if we get stuck in one spot. So as we talk about personal transformation, if we decide that that's the entire focus of the gospel, which we have to be honest, sometimes we do, especially again as Western evangelicals, we get caught in this idea that the entire purpose is personal transformation, that that's the entire goal that God had in mind. And sometimes the danger that happens around that is that we become self-righteous and self-focused. We become legalists. Because what matters is me and my journey and my faith. We become incredibly religious rule followers. But the problem is that transformation then stops with us. That was a previous sermon that someone found online. They're out there, I promise. If you want to go back and hear them, 
ValleyBaptistChurch.org, always available. Podcast on iTunes, we'd love for you to subscribe. Like us and more people will listen. Radical transformation is supposed to be contagious. And when we get focused on just us and it gets stuck there, it doesn't move forward. Now, if it's not personal transformation that we get focused on, but instead this idea of family transformation that we get focused on, this idea that that all that matters is the church, that all that matters is what God is doing in the church, that we become this really super sanctified gathering of people. But we have no love and no care and no interest in what's happening in the lives of people outside us. And man, as American Christians, we're really, really bad at this. Because all the time I keep hearing that everything would be better in our country if they'd just come be a part of us and do things the way we do it. We don't actually care that much about them. We just care that they live our way of life the way we're comfortable seeing it lived. Now, we got really great ways of kind of making it sound a whole lot more sacred than that. But if you really dig down to the core of it, we like people looking like us. And if we get caught on this idea that the entire focus of the gospel is about family transformation, about the church being transformed, then we can become a people who are turned completely inward. Thinking of ourselves as somehow special or set apart. And again, we got great ways of of making this religious speak because somebody goes, well, the scriptures do say we're set apart, right? Yes, but not to the exclusion of other people. And when we start focusing on that, that's the problem is we decide that it's to the exclusion of people who don't look like us or think like us or talk like us. Who come from parts of the world that we're uncomfortable with or we're scared of. Friends, the kingdom of God has greater aspirations than just religious people continuing to be religious people. Man. The gospel is supposed to have a greater impact than that. So Robert Mulholland, a great professor that was out of Asbury Seminary, says this. Spiritual formation is a process of being conformed to the image of Christ for the sake of others. So personal transformation is for the sake of family transformation. And family transformation is for the sake of missional transformation. The change in me, the change in us, is for the sake of those who are beyond us. My change happens so that our change can happen more fully. And our change happens so that change can be experienced in the lives of others. I'm transformed so that we can be transformed and we're transformed so that all of creation can then be transformed. It's always moving forward. It's always progressing beyond us. Me, us, them. Personal, family, missional, individual, communal, global. The kingdom of God over and over again being propelled forward into more and more of creation. The gospel of Christ constantly propelled forward to impact more and more and more people. Transformation begets transformation because radical transformation is contagious. And I don't know about you, but just the idea of that gets me fired up a little bit. Gets me really excited about the possibility that that work might be taking place in my life so that it can take place in our lives, in our lives so that it can take place in the lives of others. And yet there's these, these, these biases that we constantly live with. Is that the way you say that word? Is it biases or biases? I never know for sure. 
whichever one it is, we have these ways in which we tend to look at things that will often lead us astray. It's that struggle with saying, wait, wait, wait a minute. Are you sure God cares more about the church than God cares about just a specific individual? I, I'm pretty sure. Are you sure God cares more about the world than God cares about the church than God cares about a specific individual? I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure. We'll talk more about that in a minute. But there's these biases that, that give us ways in which we read the scripture that makes us miss things and often means we have to read between the lines so that we don't miss where the scriptures are trying to push us. Our bias is usually our own personal faith journey. My bias is me. I'm looking towards me. What's happening with me? Perfect example. Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 through 18, which is what we read earlier. When we started this series, or even before, I don't remember how long ago it was, I decided this was the passage we would read today to talk about the idea of missional transformation. And then this week, I pulled it out and I read it. And as I read through the entire passage, I went... Why in the world did I pick that passage? That passage doesn't have anything to do with the idea of missional transformation. And I was confused and I thought, well, maybe I wrote it down wrong. Maybe it was the wrong passage. So I read the passage again. And as I read the passage again, I read across this part that we read earlier and continue. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. And as I read that, I thought, well, obviously that's talking about personal transformation, right? That I need to work this personal transformation thing that's supposed to be happening in me. But as I mentioned last week, we have to remember that the letter was written not to an individual, but it was written to a church. So then we go, oh, okay, wait a minute. So yes, it influences my personal transformation, but probably it actually has to do with what's happening in the idea of family transformation. That we all be doing this work of salvation happening in us and we all be moving forward so that we get it. And the truth is, as I read it, because of my biases or biases or whichever, I almost missed where the passage is trying to push us into. What Paul actually wants us to see because I was reading it from my Chad bias. I was reading it thinking about Chad's spiritual growth plan. I was reading it thinking about how does Chad become formed more like Jesus and all of that matters. All of that is incredibly important. And secondarily to how does Chad be transformed? It's how do we be transformed? How does Valley start to look more and more like Jesus? Again, incredibly important. But I overlooked where the writing was pointing us, what it was trying to say the whole time because the whole time it was leading us forward through this progression that I mentioned. Now, again, hear this. We can't miss this. And this is sometimes what we miss when I say things like I did that are a little bit bold about what God perhaps cares more about. Is that we miss it is incredibly important that we be concerned about our own personal formation. Today I leave for Chicago. I go again, and and Ruth Haley Barton, who is the the teacher that I have been there with, says to us over and over again as we get there that the greatest thing that Chad brings to Chad's leadership is Chad's own transforming soul. I must be becoming all Jesus has called me to be if I'm going to lead us to do the same. So we don't discount that. We don't throw that out. We don't say that that's unimportant. It's incredibly important. That we continue to work hard to show the results of our salvation. That we join God committed to transformation, both personally and as a family. 
that we tend to the soil of our souls so that the Holy Spirit can produce the fruit that the Holy Spirit longs to produce. Our work matters. Our efforts are significant because it's in them that others are able to see God's work of salvation, the Holy Spirit's work of transformation. But as you read the passage, here's the clincher. So we read through and we we see personal transformation. Yes, I got it. And then we start to see family because we think, oh, it's written to a body. It's written to a corporate like gathering, the family of Christ. And we go, oh, yes, hold on. It's not just me. It's about us continuing to live into this. Yes, yes, yes. But then it pushes forward into the why. And if you look at verse 15, it gives us the why. Shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Radical transformation in my life. Radical transformation in our lives is a sign of light and beauty in a world of darkness and ugliness. Radical transformation in my life and your life and our life is a sign and a wonder of new life to a world of people that only know death. I matter. But it isn't about me. We matter, but it isn't about us. John three sixteen seventeen, a passage many of you are familiar with. We read it all the time, and we talk about it being this idea of the gospel in a nutshell. It's this really, really great passage, and here's what it says. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world but to save the world through him. And when the passage says the world, is everybody with me? When the passage says the world, it actually means the world. Now, it isn't wrong for us to replace the world with our own name, which has been this really great evangelical sermon practice that so many have practiced along the way to say, for God so loved Chad. That's that's not necessarily wrong unless I begin to read it in a way that believes that Chad is more important than the world. Because once I've done so, then I've misunderstood the heart of God. When my misread allows me to discount other people who I don't like as much. I have stolen the power from God's gospel. So in our Constitution, what we have asked is our third commitment that we're asking people who say, this is going to be my family, this is who I want to journey with. We've asked this, for missional living among all neighbors and nations. Through serving others, praying for others, sharing faith, and seeking other opportunities to show the love of Christ. Friends, we want people next door and on the other side of the world to experience radical transformation. It's never one or the other. It's never here or there. It is always both and. So we are a church deeply committed to Lutherville, Maryland, and Lusaka, Zambia. We are a church deeply committed to Towson and Turkey. We are a church deeply committed to Hunt Valley and to Haiti. And weaved in and out of absolutely everything that Paul wrote to the churches that were coming about in the wake of Jesus' life was this push more and more and more outward. The calling that Paul was placing upon the churches was always missional. 
Now, he never discounted transformation in the life of the church, in the life of each individual. As he wrote letters to individuals, he called for that in the life of Timothy, and he called for that in the life of Titus. But he was always pushing them to think missionally. He was always pushing them to think beyond themselves, into the church, and out into all of the world. Because transformation is for the sake of others, as Robert Mulholland wrote it. So go back to our garden metaphor that we've used a time or two over the last few weeks. Do you remember that? If you don't, you can go listen to it on the website. Preferably not now, but later. (laughs) The metaphor of the garden, if we go back to that, then the beauty of it can be stretched even further. Because we think, as we think about personal transformation, we're, we're thinking about this idea of, of nourishing the soil of our own souls. And, and the best way that we do that is through sacred rhythms. Intentional, repeated, committed spiritual practices that allow us and put us in the presence of Christ so that the Holy Spirit can do a massive work of transformation in us. Now, there's lots more we said about that. Again, you'll have to go listen to that sermon, or we've got a ton of resources we can give you on what that looks like. But but we, we don't get to overlook that step. And we think about the garden in that way. It's about nourishing the soil of my soul. And when we stretch it and we begin to look at it in the idea of a family transformation, then all of a sudden our garden metaphor changes from a garden in which I'm planting a, a plant in a pot... Or a raised bed outside my house to all of a sudden the idea that we are tending a community garden together. That we are doing this work of preparing the soil, not just of my soul, but of all of our souls. So we come together in this work and, and I may be one who's pulling weeds and perhaps you're adding water to that. And, and maybe you're trimming trees so that enough sunlight can get in. And maybe you're making sure that there's fertilizer on it. And you're making sure that all the pests are run away. And all together we're doing all of this work because we believe that the work of our shared garden can be done much better when we all do it together. And not just do we believe it, but the Bible actually says it's true. It was never intended to be a solo mission. We are in this work together, working on the soil of all of our souls. And when we take that metaphor and then we stretch that metaphor a step further and we begin to look at this idea of it being missional transformation. As we think about missional transformation and working that garden, then we begin to realize that part of what we're also doing is that we begin to tend the soil for others who don't yet even know that they need to tend soil. We begin to make it ready for those who will come and join us at at some point. We begin to work the land for those people who don't even know that they have any land to work. We begin to work the soil for those who don't even know that there's an idea that one day they will be able to bear fruit. We begin to work the soil preparing it for them because they don't even know how deeply they're loved by Jesus yet. But we're getting things ready for them. We're starting the work on their behalf because we recognize that even in our starting the work, they get the chance to see what it means for them to be loved by Jesus through Jesus' people. People who have been radically transformed by the Holy Spirit. So we're beginning the process of this work. 
Friends at Valley, we want to be the kind of people who can join with Paul and what he said in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 17. It says this, it says, Dear brothers and sisters, pattern your lives after mine and learn from those who follow our example. Now, many of us can go to the place of going, yeah, I mean, I understand when Paul is saying that. But Paul didn't say that just so that people would follow Paul. Paul said that. Paul said, follow my example. And and how do we follow Paul's example? By telling other people to follow our example. And that's what he was speaking to the church in Philippi and eventually the church that sits on York Road that we call Valley. As he was saying, follow my example by being a people who live into this salvation, live into this transformation that the Holy Spirit has worked. And then you're able to look at other people and go, hey, follow my example. Come do what I do. So my personal transformation is for the sake of our family transformation, which is for the sake of missional transformation all the way down the line, actually up the line, passing it forward, impacting more and more. People and eventually having a global impact on our neighbors and the nations. Our lives, our work, our commitment, our transformation, instigating transformation in others. Because it's happened in us, we're seeing it begin to happen in them because they want to be a part of what Jesus is doing in us. We get this chance to model new and a beautiful way of life. We get this chance to bring people to the place of recognizing that they are deeply loved by Jesus. Earlier I talked about this this mentality we get when we get stuck on the idea of family transformation and, and how often we look at other people and say, oh, if they were just more like us. Oh, if they'd just come to church the way they used to. Oh, if, they, oh, if it were just 1980 again. Well, it's never going to be. We're never, ever, ever going to get there. But what we know that this world is desperately looking for, what they're desperately longing for and seeking is to be loved by someone. So we all look for it anywhere we can look, anywhere we can find it. What if we as a church were committed to making sure that we went everywhere we could communicating to people, you are deeply loved by Jesus. And because Jesus has worked transformation in me, I love you too. Whether you look like me or talk like me or behave like me, whether you understand living social ethics the way that I understand them, whether you read the Bible exactly the same way that I do it, whether you understand Jesus the same way that I do, I love you because you were created in the image of God and Jesus deeply loves you. We model transformation and we invite them to come and join us in that. We prepare the soil for the day that they're ready to come and eventually join us in that work. Our transformation, motivating the transformation of others, instigating that transformation. We are a people saying together that we are committed to missional transformation because of the transformation that the Holy Spirit has worked in us, is working in us. So we don't skip any steps along this progression. We've got to hit them too. But when we do so, there's this really, really cool thing. I don't actually have time to go into this, but there's this really, really cool thing that it actually the progression becomes a bit cyclical. Do you see that as we talk about it? 
So personal transformation in me, family transformation in us, missional transformation in others, which goes back to personal transformation in the life of someone else. They join the body and it's family transformation among us. It's once again missional transformation that goes back and impacts the life of another person. It becomes personal, family, missional, and back personal, family, missional. Because the kingdom of God is supposed to be bringing recreation to all of creation. Paradise, Genesis. Paradise, book of Revelation. And we join God in that great work of recreation. Transform souls, instigating transformation in the lives of others. Pray with me, would you? Oh, Jesus, our Savior. Will you work transformation in me? Will you bring new life and change deep in my soul? And may that work influence and impact us as a community, a family. And may that work in us impact all of your creation, every woman, man, and child, and beyond. New creation for all of creation. May we be a people committed to transformation personally and for our family and missionally. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.